Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friend, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a great day. I'm Kristen Carlson with Dr. Jim Carlson. He's a holistic veterinarian and the owner of Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in McHenry, Illinois. We're moving this week to a big new facility. It's 10,000 square feet, which is four of the current location we have. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, you can. It's very echoey right now. We're starting an indoor dog park. Uh, putting it with the clinic, a light vet clinic, which, um, you know, if you just want to walk in and get your vaccines, nail trims, stuff like that. Um, and uh, we're doing a daycare as well. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get a swimming pool sometime, but that one's a little harder to get by the city. Hey, this is our doggy Brandy. She's here. She's been, uh, she's a little hard to get up on the table, but she really wants to play with her little tennis ball. So she's been having a good time here coming to work today. (laughs) All right. So today uh, we have a few things we wanted to talk about with everybody, you know, kind of isolated, socially distancing, sheltering in place. It's still okay to go out and walk your dog, right? It is. You can still go outside. Very safe to do. Obviously social distancing is six feet apart. Mm -hmm. Just just following that social pattern. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they were even talking about, I just heard on, on Fox News or something like that, that a doctor had reported that they recommended that we don't shake hands ever again. Oh, really? Future. So it may be a whole new social pattern. But you can shake them with your dog because your dog is not going to give you the That's COVID right. virus. So, right. so um, <laughs> you know, I've seen this thing going around on Facebook and it's like, says something like stop letting your dog or stop dropping off your dogs at shelters um, because they don't have the COVID virus. But I think it's a hoax because I don't think anybody's doing it. And I've called around a few places. I mean, we're in Chicago. So, I mean, I guess it could be happening someplace I didn't call. But, um, no, you're not going to get COVID from your dog. There have been a couple cases where dogs carried COVID, but there's no evidence it's going to, like, give it to you um and maybe got it from somebody in the household correct mm-hmm. is that right that's right and i think there was one zoo report that it yeah recently new york and got it in new york but but there there can be com- some confusion because cats do have their own coronavirus dogs do have their own coronavirus but, but this is completely not- different completely different so there can be a lot of confusion if they say coronavirus. Well, we automatically see think about COVID nineteen, and it's mm-hmm. not. It's they. It could be totally something. Line. Yeah, and those have been around for forever, right? Oh, yeah, they've been around for a long, long time. Yeah. So, uh, if you get something from your veterinarian, a postcard that says your pet needs a coronavirus vaccine, the reality of the situation is that's a long-standing, long-time. Um, coronavirus vaccine and, and that's mostly like for puppies right for dogs right. and dog coronavirus like a, a breeding situation where you might have a lot of puppies they, they sometimes will give corona in the beginning because there's a lot of a lot of dogs in the in the same location so how do they get it from each other is it as easy as the humans get theirs 
Um, it's uh, it's fecal oral route and can Ew. be oral nasal as well oh. uh, because uh, the fecal material can get uh, aerosolized uh, and it can cause mostly gastrointestinal problems. Oh, okay. Uh, cats, it's, it's mostly gastrointestinal, but they do have two forms. Uh, one is a very mild non-carrier type form, mm-hmm. and then unfortunately they have one that flips inside of them that becomes the FIP virus. Oh, Which yeah, that's really sad. FIP is yeah. never good. I think no. we went to a horse barn, and I think they looked like the cats really looked like they had FIP. Because isn't that what the one where they get the, the big bloated stomach and they have all this facial discharge? Yeah, especially the bloated stomach. You know, when you get a young kitty um, that has chronic diarrhea, bloated stomach, not doing right, a pretty good chance that they've contracted coronavirus, mm-hmm. if you like corona. Uh, and then it's always possible they can flip over and become the FIP, which... But you will never get that from your cat. Never, ever. No. Okay. All right. There's your coronavirus update. But your social distancing update, I think a lot of people are noticing, like, some behaviors with their animals that may not have noticed before. And we've, we're an essential business, so we've been actually really busy with so many sick patients and and like weird accidents like a dog that licked brake fluid up because you know the owners are home they're working on stuff they're trying to keep busy same thing so um you know just kind of like honey (laughs) the dog she's she's a border collie she wants to play constantly so (laughs) so um anyway the there's there's been a few accidents um but a lot of people i think now really home and noticing that their dog really does have something going on yeah it's a i think we're getting into some seasonal things right now like the seasonal allergies high pollen count but also just being home the pets are going through social change too you're home more often spending more time with them mm-hmm. uh, most of the time they like that but it, sometimes it can be stressful because mm-hmm. obviously we're stressing when we're home we may be emitting emotions that we're not really aware of oh. animals are picking up on especially you know if you been out of work for a while because of the COVID thing. It's stressful. You know, it's stressful. You it's really stressful. Housebound. No, this is kind of the woo-woo part of it. Like yeah. you're not going to go to every doctor in the U.S. who's going to say, "Don't stress out about anything." You will. Right. And a lot of the holistic veterinarians are really into and understand all this stuff. But so, how does uh, humans' emotion impact an animal? Well, they emotion is not a natural thing for animals. So in the wild, there'd really be no emotion. It kind of makes sense. We think about the wolf pack. So if they were freaking about every, freaking out about every little thing, they'd never catch anything. They'd never okay. eat. They'd fight constantly. So they don't really have a lot of anxiety. Right. They'd have no anxiety. We uh, are the only species that originates emotion. That's how we communicate. It's a very important factor. Emotion is hormonal. Okay. And it is a frequency. So we've all walked into the room and felt like, you know, felt the emotion of the room. Whether it's happy or weird or, I mean, yeah, yeah. or angry, you know. Yeah. Well, we have, and animals do too. And you're thinking, what's just gone on here? Right. <laughs> yeah. It's called the reticular activating system. It oh, okay. That, okay, something's going and on. And dogs have that. They have that. All animals do. Okay. So they, But they don't really need it, but the domestic dogs have more developed uh, 
reticular activating system than say a wolf does. <laughs> and uh, so when there's more worry, when there's more anger, emotion, mm -hmm. uh, they'll pick up on that and it changes their hormones. It can interrupt normal frequencies of digestion. Hmm. Uh, it can interrupt normal hormone fluctuations like cortisol and thyroid. Uh, you know, and change is a big deal to them. And I think a human doctor, I mean, just related to, you know, like human experiences and stuff, they'll tell you that cortisol and thyroid are really susceptible to stress. It's huge. And, and endocrinology is probably the the most untapped frontier of medicine. A veterinary medicine. Especially veterinary medicine, mm -hmm. but even human medicine as well. Do they have a veterinary endocrinologist anywhere? They do. It, okay. It's mostly... You know, at the universities, okay. uh, but that would encompass internal medicine. Uh, you know, Randy just jumps <laughs> on the, the desk over there to get a ball. You want your toy? Okay, honey. All right. All right. We think we better take a break from your toy for a little bit. So, um, it's interesting. And we do a custom holistic testing service here. So, in that service, it does have an emotional component to it. And it, honestly, I've had... I've never seen people get so mad. Yeah, especially because the, <laughs> the emotional components that you pick up in the dog yeah. really upset people. They don't want you. I got. I don't know. Well, it it they they feel guilty, but realizes it's not just the owner. Mm -hmm. Animals will pick up emotion off the radio, uh, the T neighbor, uh, the news, the news. Okay. We just remember have to remember a dog's radar is about two miles. Surrounding okay. the house. All Ours right. is about two millimeters. We don't think outside of the box mm -hmm. too much. We can't really hear that beyond. Yeah. The, you know, I guess you should hope your neighbor isn't Gladys Kravitz right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nosy exactly. And, and in everybody's business. That's very stressful. <laughs> so, you know, what we do in the situations of the high emotions and different emotions that dogs are feeling through or experiencing or exposed to in our custom holistic testing program is use the Bach flower remedies. Yeah. They're really, really good. Uh, not only for us as humans, but animals as well. And um, the cool thing about Bach remedies is that Bach remedies have specific emotions and they have a a menu, even if you go pick them up, it'll tell you if it's for this particular worry, this particular worry. The thing you have to remember about Bach flowers is that the animal is not going to originate the emotion, but use that Bach flower for the emotion that's in the household. So say mm -hmm. you're having financial worries. Mm -hmm. There's a Bach flower for financial worries. Okay. And so if you're ha yourself having financial worries, your animal is also having financial worries. What's the one called agrimony? Because that that makes <laughs> I, the, we we refer our block block flower patients to a place called Nature's Cornucopia. It's a wonderful health food store. It is. They're so smart and so educated. So if you ever get on the internet, I believe it's naturescornucopia.com. It's located in McHenry, Illinois, so Chicago's northwest suburbs. I love this place. Uh, but they did tell me when I went in there, <laughs> people were coming in, and they're like, what's with all the Bach flower remedies? They're like, oh, it's part of our testing program. And she's like, I know, but people are mad. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because they'll pick up like a bottle of one called Agrimony and say, I don't have that. That's not in our house. But in the end, the test doesn't lie. test doesn't lie because it's what the, the, the patient perceives. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that 
as individuals, animals as well, have a unique perception. There's four main categories, environmental, chemical, biological, and also environmental. So those are things that, and emotional, I should say. Mm-hmm. Those are perceived by each individual as being unique to them. So what we think is that's nonsense mm-hmm. to another animal or another person can be totally the opposite. Hmm. So agrimony is one that encompasses a lot of things. We all experience agrimony is what is that always me. It's, it's never going to get any better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never see so like now that I, I don't see the virus ever going away. Mm. You know, I'm never going to get a lot of negativity. Yeah. Yeah. And agrimony, I think probably the number one Bach flower that should be used right now. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, everybody (laughs) could use that one right now. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. It's just a very trying time. It is very stressful. (laughs) It is. It's hard to stay positive. I mean, I try to get up with that positive gratitude type thing every morning before I even get out of bed. And now you just, I don't know. It's almost like you kind of forget to do it because you're so worried about everything else. Yeah. You know, I'm still trying coming into the clinic, you know, with the clients out in the car and things. Mm -hmm. It's very different. You know, we don't have clients in the office. Uh, It's very anti, it feels antisocial in the building. It's not, I mean, nobody's hard to work with or any, or even I've got a couple, you know, employees who are worried and concerned and that kind of thing, but it's not, uh, it it just feels weird to not be able to converse and see all the families that you've been serving. And it is weird, but drive up curbside service, you know, is necessary right now. It's kind of cool. It might be. I've actually had one owner ask if we could just keep doing it. Yeah. (laughs) She brings her dogs in for nail trim. She's like, could I just wait in the car in the future? I'm like, no problem. <laughs> it helps us to, you know, to focus on the patient. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. But I get to go out and meet with them face to face. You know, I spend a few minutes with them. Outside you know, in the air. We talk about it in the air. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice and nice weather. I'm sure in the wintertime. Yeah. We're going to have to. Just uh, be glad it's not 30 below, right? Right. Yeah. All right. So, um, we talked a little bit about uh, traditional Chinese veterinary medicine uh, along the way. So what you were just kind of discussing about the Bach flower remedies and all of that stuff is like kind of like energy medicine. It's frequency. It's the way things, um, you know, uh, kind of like the new frontier in medicine, right? It is because we're, shut the door. we're stepping into some of those things that are, that are much different. And, but it, we're bringing the old into the more modern times because uh, traditional Chinese medicine has been around for they they the earliest dates back to five thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. It was used more, I guess, uh, more regularly two to three thousand years ago. But a lot of it was philosophical and observation in nature. How does na- how do we interact in nature? How does nature interact with us? How do we jive with that? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, the five element theory I really enjoy because there's various ways that uh, we can look at five elements. So five the five elements things. are wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. So start like with yourself. What are you? Earth. So I'd be more earthy uh, to metal, you know, somewhere in there, because the veterinarian, I have to be more metal. I have to be confident, a leader, more reserved, very consistent. Mm -hmm. But as a person, I'm more laid back. I'm steady. 
I kind of like to think about things. <laughs> Steady Eddie. I'm sometimes aloof. I like to go out and work on the car and, you know, uh, you know, don't spend, when I'm not at work, I, I don't spend a lot of time on the phone, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, chopping wood. You like yeah. to do that one too. Do that. Taking care of horses, yeah. all those farm stuff. So what am I then? Well, you would definitely be fire. <laughs> you know, you have, you're, you're excitable. Uh, you're definitely extrovert, very social. You could learn very quickly. Um, you, you get excited about things and it's, it, you're, when you're very happy. I'm not overexcited. I'm no. pretty cool. Yeah. No, I mean. <laughs> I think I would. I didn't mean it in a bad way. Well, I'm I know. Saying, <laughs> saying that you're very happy. And when you're happy, it's hard to get you upset. You know, yeah. Happy. All right. So um, you saw the dog here, Brandy, who is just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with the ball again and again and again. I could still be throwing it. She's actually sitting at the side of the table watching that ball she opened the door to <laughs> looking yeah. looking for things but um yes, she's been very busy so a dog like that that's kind of like that herding dog that kind of thing that's a temperament definitely metal metal okay and then the water dog so describe what water means first of all well, water would be very more fearful okay uh more uh cautious uh, mm-hmm. The type of person that would be more introverted, very slow face, uh, slow pace, I should say. Uh, and dogs, a possible fear biter. Okay. You know where they look like they're okay, and and the classic water is the little Chihuahua. There's oh, okay. A, there is some nice fire, happy Chihuahuas, earthy, but most of them fall in the water category. So, if you have, if you're choosing a puppy, in a group of puppies you're going to see all five of them together, mm-hmm. especially if you have several puppies in there, you know, in the litter. So the wood puppies are going to come up to you. They're going to be tugging at you. They're being wrestling with their buddy. They're going to be kind of yipping at you okay. to do stuff. And then they'll kind of go away and do their own thing. And then they'll come back and try mm-hmm. to get you to do something. Uh, the fire puppy sitting right in your lap, licking your face, looking at you, you know, right up here, pulling on your beard, pulling on your chin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those kind of things. The earth puppy will come just lay down beside you. They'll be flat out when all this action is going on. Okay. Okay. The metal puppy is going to be more reserved. It's going to be sitting back just a little ways looking at you. Mm-hmm. Not scared, but just looking at you. Mm-hmm. And the water puppy's way in the back. I mean, okay. and you try to go over and say, well, that puppy looks cute. And then they run away from you. Mm-hmm. A fire puppy will never run away from you. You'll want to run away from them. They're just excited. Oh, okay. You know, they're All right. To yeah. Yeah. So when you're picking puppies out, when I go into a room, I can automatically tell because they're going to position themselves exactly the same way. All right. Is there a way to change this about a dog? Well, the early training, yes. Okay. Um, if you get a wood puppy like a little rotty puppy or something like that, or a German shepherd, you want in all puppies early training, but especially a wood, you have to realize that they are very, very intelligent. They all are, all all the breeds, all the elements, but they're watching you constantly. They're testing you. Uh, They can become very aggressive later on if you're not Mm. consistent with them. So they need a lot of training. Need a lot of training, but they don't need a a lot of harsh correction. It's just one word, nope. They don't like a lot of conversation about no because you, you know, you just say no. You just have to do it once. Leave it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the okay. fire is is more hurt by uh, discomfort. 
So you can't be very loud with them because they get their, their emotions hurt really bad. Okay. The earthy one is extremely easy because they could carry the way. I mean, if you yell at them, okay, I'm sorry. It's all right. <laughs> or if you're not harsh enough, oh, I understand. Oh, I'll forgive you for that. Okay. Um, metals have to have something to do all the time. So Brandy, yes. metal dogs are not a good house dog. So she would be, oh, she would be awful in an apartment. Yeah. That would be miserable for her. Yeah. So herding breeds are, are just not the best choice for that. They got to have, mm-hmm. some, they got to have a dog. Definitely. So German shepherds, um, all the shepherd breeds, the border collies, the Australian shepherds, the mm-hmm. blue healers. I mean, that Southies. dog Brandy would be perfectly happy just going and counting all the horses every day, checking up on everybody, making sure the chickens are where they're supposed to be. Like that's her job. Yeah. That's her life. She loves that. Otherwise she comes in here. She wants to go in the car Yeah, and she pants the whole way. <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, when she gets in here, it's like, let's play all day. And I'm like, well, I can't, I got to work, but I right. got it. You can, oh, say, okay. can you breed this out of a line of dogs? Yeah. It's, it's so you totally can breed yeah. if nobody wanted. I mean, I would think a water dog is just going to be really hard to handle with a fearful, introverted, yeah. slow paced, possible fear biter that can be bred out of a line of dogs. You can, because you look at the parents, uh, the personality is almost 100% genetic. Mm. So you look at the two parents. That's why bucking bulls, they use parents that are kind of mean. They don't use nice docile animals to make bucking bulls or bucking horses. Oh, the bronc for bronc riding and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. Totally. And then if you got a two laid back parents, probably going to get 90% laid back puppies. Okay. But, um, you'll get a certain percentage of the element within all the litter. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you got two mean parents, you're probably going to have <laughs> two mean, two dogs. mean, mean puppies. You know? I was actually sense. talking to a breeder yesterday. She bred Pomeranians for a very, very long time. They were very high quality dogs, but they said, and it was kind of before I decided we were going to do this today and looked at that chart again. But she said they would, they would take that out of their line if they saw that because they just didn't want that. They were show dogs, but yeah. even as a pet dog, it's it's kind of hard. Yeah. And, she took and it out. Especially show, you know, you, that's why a lot of those, uh, in, when we were talking the other day, uh, I was talking to a, a person who had a show dog, and you can just tell they have that personality. It's like living in Mark. She just has that personality to be a show dog, mm-hmm. you know, to be in front of people. She's the cutest she dog ever. She's on Instagram. She's one of our clients. Yeah. Her name's Livy the Mork, L-I-V-I-E, the Mork. She's been on this show before. Oh, she's so cute. I absolutely love her. I got to wake her up from her dental myself. It was so much fun. She and her sister, Tori, I held them both. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. So um, at this time of year, um, you might have heard this. So I gave this chart of food actions <laughs> to a pet store one time. The pet store turned into a big chain. And now they use this chart of actions like it's their own marketing tool, but they did not make it up. The chart of food actions comes from traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. So um, now what this means, it's kind of like a seasonal thing. And do you need to change your dog food by the season? You should. Um, You should have a baseline food. So if you take, if you take, uh, there's neutral foods. So if, if we go, if we flip this over, we can see the neutral food actions. Okay. 
So neutral foods, uh, pork, beef, salmon, uh, for example, um, you can use that as a baseline protein. And then, um, and this is whole foods, um, but you can consider these even in, in some of the processed foods. A small amount of grain. So we have to remember animals are carnivores, so they should have a little bit of grain in their diet. But at the same time, say pork and green beans. Okay. A little bit of vegetable like uh, sweet potato, and then maybe add a little peanut oil, or um, in the case of, of beef, uh, if you're using beef, walnut oil, that would be your base food. Now, if we go up to the yang element, which is hot and warm, mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, what is that? Um, and so if we're thinking about- So if about it's hot warm, outside, should you be feeding a hot and warm food? That would be contraindicated because hot and warm foods warm the body. Mm-hmm. They metabolize warm. Uh, and then examples of warm food would be chicken, venison. You, pr- I think you've seen that in dog food. Mm-hmm. Shrimp and lobster. Um, we actually do carry a cat food with shrimp and lobster in it. Uh, lamb. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are hot foods. Beef kidney, lamb kidney, lamb liver. We do carry those in chicken liver as treats, yeah. like some dehydrated treats from Northwest Naturals. And oats. You know, oats is a... Uh, it's a classic one, especially most diarrheas are considered a cold disease. Okay. You want to warm the GI tract up a little mm-hmm. bit so it digests better. Mm-hmm. So that's why oats are, are more easy on the GI tract, hmm. especially when you have diarrhea or upset stomach. Uh, that's why ginger comes into play um, and garlic. But we have to remember, you know, if you're, uh, yeah, it, it's sort of like chicken soup versus chicken salad. You know, are you mm-hmm. going to eat chicken soup in the hot of the day? You know, in the middle probably of summer, not. probably not. Yeah, but chicken sandwiches taste good. So, the chicken salad, so it, it tends to cool you down. So you're just using that food energy uh, for how you feel every day. Okay. Now the pets, you can look at their energy. More young energy is they're active and playful and running around. Mm-hmm. So if if they're a high energy German Shepherd, for example. You want to consider foods that are maybe a little bit more neutral to cooler. Okay. So the cool foods, turkey, the duck, uh, cod, especially when they're going to be super active. Okay. Uh, if you're going to do agility or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, would they get like more worn out on if they were taking hot foods? They would. They wouldn't have the okay. stamina because their body, their metabolic energy or metabolic heat mm-hmm. will be extremely high. And so then they don't have sustainable energy, so they're going to wear out more. They're going to start panting. Their body going to, their okay. body's going to get more acidic. Okay. So at like what point during the spring to summer season do you start switching over from the heavier meat diet? So the chicken, beef, lamb, liver, kidney, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to would you switch them to from a hot food to a neutral food, or from a hot food to a cool food? Well, the, the transitional season, we have four seasons in the United States. In China, there's five. And their fifth season is called late summer, which is kind of that August. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense as a season because it's a weird, yeah, it's kind of a weird time. But uh, the four basic groups is that spring and fall or transition. Mm-hmm. Our basic elements are hot and cold, so summer and winter. Okay. So if you're going to use neutral or transitional foods, uh, for example, I'd start with, say, let's start with winter. 
Okay. So I'd be using a warm food in the winter. So say chicken and oats. Mm -hmm. And I would use that through the winter time. But if I'm going to start transitioning, uh, I'm going to be moving over to say pork uh, and mixing that half and half with pork and say green beans in that. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to move over to pork and green beans for the, the spring. Okay. And then summer, I'm going to be moving towards a more cooler food. So I'm going to be blending in turkey and probably some brown rice. Mm -hmm. And then in the fall, I'm going to go back to neutral again. Okay. And then back to winter. So you can actually have four different seasonal blends, mm -hmm. but you have to pay attention to their activity as well. So it becomes a little bit more complex. And, and to me, whenever they came out with just one food does it all for their whole life, I was, I was not in ever agreement with that. I think, yeah. you know, a lot of dogs do really well with the same diet over and over. Mm -hmm. But I think if you want to see them live a much longer life, you know, with that 15 to 18 year super senior window, I think you really have to pay attention to the me metabolism. Here's a little tip they have. A fast growing food tends to be cooler than a plant that takes longer to grow. So a fast growing food could be like lettuce or spinach or something, right? Mm -hmm. That's cooler than something that takes like three months to produce. So like a carrot would take a while. A turnip. Turnips, anything in the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the, the lettuce, you know, and grass. Mm -hmm. um, and then when we're thinking about seasonal change, you think about spring, things are growing. Yeah. So you want to use, uh, you don't want to use a mature vegetable in the spring. You want to use shoots. So like, like bean sprouts. Oh, okay. You want to use uh, lettuce shoots. Well, this is a really good time for people to really, obviously we're, at home watching how things are going all day with our animals. At least a lot of us are not the whole country is shelter in place order. But um, when you do that, it's a good, you know, it is a good time to experiment mm -hmm. with the kinds of, um, you know, diets that your dog or cat might need. And, um, you know, learning how to make your own dog food really is not hard. No, it's not. And it's, a, and you don't even have to totally switch them over. You can use it as a treat. Mm -hmm. um, just a little bit of supplement to the diet. You can have your basic dog food. Okay. And you can even choose, you know, one of the grain-based dog foods. I can take, you know, a grain-based dog food, and you can blend in different ingredients into that to make it a superfood. Okay. You're just pulling out the amount of food in there. Mm -hmm. um, or if you have a really great grain-based diet and you want to supplement a little bit with fresh food, it's okay to do that. Just 25% of the diet, you know, you can add fresh food in there. So you can use the same base food year round, but All you right. can add the different elements in if you want. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's just not as hard as you, you know, one might think it actually is to, you know, keep going with uh, that. So um, if you really want this chart, we have it. You can have it. I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> After definitely. my experience of giving it away to the pet store and then having them turn it into their marketing plan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, uh, we, we usually just give this out when people come for for appointments. But if you have questions about it, just get in touch with us at holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. We also have our awesome woo-woo holistic vet advice page. And um, this is it's a lot of woo-woo. We've had a lot of that 
talking about yeah. that today a little bit. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, I do want to show you this. I hope you can see it at home. It's a little hard to see from far away, so I'll step up there to the camera. This is a heartworm infected heart. Yeah. It's so gross. It looks like the vermicelli noodles coming out of an animal. Is this a dog heart? That's a dog heart. That's yeah. how big it is? Yeah. Okay. That would be a dog that would be somewhere about a medium-sized dog. Really? Yeah. Wow. Let me try to step up here. I'm going to show you this. Um, so, you know, I know that there are all kinds of groups online, and some of them don't like – can you see that? Isn't that gross? Some yeah. of them don't like – heartworm medicine. Some of them don't like flea and tick medicine, but this is what's going to happen if you aren't using any heartworm prevention or finding a way to keep mosquitoes out of your yard, away from your dog. We've already killed a bunch of them even here in the building, which I thought was weird, but um, it's already kind of humid here. It's been hot sometimes and they're already coming out. So those are the little Heartworms right there. They obviously cut this heart open, as you can see on the side, and then there they are floating around in there. That's a total infestation of heartworms in that dog's heart. That's super sad. It happens too, and it happens with more frequency than any of us, I think, would like to see, obviously, in a clinic. Right. Treatment's painful. Tell us about the treatment. It's, it's very, very uh, you know, painful for the patients. Um, Fortunately, we don't see as many of those cases as we used to because we have the early testing which okay. can detect the antibody. Uh, when I first started practice and then prior to that, which is about 21 years ago now, uh, we saw a lot more of those cases, more advanced cases coming in because there, there was convenience tests weren't out there. Um, and prior to the being able to test for antibodies, that's when you start to see clinical symptoms, that what they call the third stage. That's the third stage? The, what we just showed them? Yeah, that'd be okay. third stage. End stage or in that yeah. that patient there That's obviously didn't make it. But yeah. the the treatment plan, when if we detect heartworm positive dogs, mm -hmm. uh, there's a protocol. The, the first month, they, um, they're on doxycycline for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they get their first injection, and it's a minocide. It's a it's an arsenical. Okay. That's injected into the back, and the uh, about, and then they're on prednisone and doxycycline for another thirty days, and then unfortunately they got to come back and get two more injections a day apart. Mm -hmm. so and they're in their lower back, so lower back, and kind of a painful one. Definitely side effects. Sad. Uh, can be more severe side effects if done incorrectly or yeah. potentially I mean, react you, to it. You thought about it as a holistic vet to not recommend it, like the monthly heartworm pill. No, I'm still once a month year round. Yeah, once a month year round. And what what would be the side effects of a heartworm treatment or a pill? Um, very few, and because some dogs, if they have GI sensitivity, can go to the topicals. So, mm -hmm. say, heart guard to revolution. Now, revolution is a topical heartworm prevention. Mm -hmm. So, um, so there's, there's various methods to get around those dogs that are sensitive. Okay. Um, and most dogs that have skin sensitivity do very well with the oral. So it's, um, but a lot of clients ask me, well, can we give garlic? Can we give um, 
you know, can we use uh, diatomaceous earth? Can we use some of the natural sprays and things like that? And the answer is yes, but they shouldn't be the primary because we don't know for sure if those are actually doing the job or not. Because mm -hmm. it's not that they don't work, but the variability of the strength mm -hmm. is not controlled. Okay. So you don't know that, okay, I get the same dose every time. Mm -hmm. Or if you're applying it to them, did I spray it enough? You know, mm -hmm. I maybe spray 10 times this time and maybe eight <coughs> times this time. Mm -hmm. Is that enough? Uh, you don't want to chance it. Um, I always tell clients, you know, if there is a holistic veterinarian, I can resolve the toxicity. Mm -hmm. I can't resolve a dog like that. Yeah. You dog with bad heartworms like that. that yeah. All right. Okay. All right. So uh, moving on a little bit, talking about kitties here, we've got... Well, I've got a new litter. It's kind of cool. This litter um, is by LifeMate. Flipping around here. It's a clumping formula, but it's called a health alert litter. Okay. So you've got one of those cats that's kind of prone to um, urinary tract problems. This litter is kind of cool. It clumps, but it'll clump in a color. So it'll clump uh, yellow for orange for low pH. Green is normal. High pH is purple. What does the low and high pH have to do with anything? Well, low pH is a, there's a good chance that we're, they, there's an acidic problem, especially with the liver. Uh, and we're going to get what they call calcium oxalate crystal formation in okay. the urine. Uh, if we look at high pH, uh, the high pH tends to produce um, a lot of struvite crystals. Uh, high pH is normally associated with also bladder infections because there's a bacteria that can also raise the urine pH as well, mm -hmm. uh, especially in female dogs. Male uh, cats and male dogs um, uh, rarely get bladder infections. They get okay. bladder inflammation called cystitis. Okay. Okay. So this would be something you could use at home. It could give you kind of an indication that something's going wrong and maybe you need to get what your analysis or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. If you definitely saw a consistent change all the time, then uh, you definitely have to go to the veterinarian um, and get a urine sample sent out to see what uh, mm -hmm. the actual environment of the urine is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that stuff. That's a good idea. Love it. Yeah. yeah. It's a great Love idea. It. We sell it here. Um, Another couple of things about litter box problems. Can If your cat just doesn't like your litter box, can they run into the low pH, high pH situation because they hold it? Or how does that work? They won't go in the litter box. What's the deal? Yeah, definitely. Um, probably one of the biggest problems with high urine pH is rarely a bladder issue. Mm -hmm. It can be an avoidance issue, as you mentioned. Uh, or also we have to remember older cats can have difficulty avoiding all of the urine at one time. Mm -hmm. So they're, and they, uh, older cats can produce larger volumes of urine, but okay. if they have a sore back, they may not pee all that, that urine out of the mm -hmm. bladder at one time. Uh, so that can definitely get some inflammation going. Okay. Um, they sometimes don't like the litter or if they have a cover on it, or if the litter box is stationed beside something that's noisy and they don't like that, mm -hmm. or if it smells or something. Or this same. is um, Catster Magazine. Yeah. It's a cute little magazine all about kitty cats. They don't like you looking at them when they go to the bathroom, according oh. to this article in Catster by Angie Bailey. 
They do not want to be anything next to anything loud. No speakers, furnaces, washing machines. They don't want to do that either. They just want their peace and quiet when they have to go. And I think almost above all else, I've noticed cats cannot stand a dirty litter box. They don't like it. And I, I've often used that, uh, that gross analogy, the, the carnival uh, porta potty. Mm. Okay. So in, in the porta potty, if, if it's a nice, clean porta potty, okay, you'll go in there. Mm-hmm. But if it's a dirty porta potty, how often are you going to go in there? Right. Well, it'd be it would be an emergency, right? It'd be an okay. emergency. So and that would be enough to make that. them want to. That would make enough of them to to like start peeing in the corner or something. Yeah, they'll choose an, another spot that makes them feel more comfortable, mm-hmm. especially if with noise or with odor. You know, high ammonia smell. You have to remember, as we talked in earlier episodes how sensitive cats are to smell. Mm-hmm. You know, they can smell a mouse a hundred yards away. Yeah. So imagine if they had all that ammonia in there. Oh, go, wow. That stinks. I hadn't really oh. thought about that, but yeah, that is pretty gross. Yeah. And then uh, scoop it as much as possible, according to Catster. So good idea. And then scoop it and then wash the litter box. I heard that on Martha Stewart a long time ago. Yeah. Um, it's like, you have to really scrub out your litter box every week. Otherwise, you know, Nobody wants to go in it. I can't really blame them. Nobody likes a dirty bathroom, right? <laughs> eventually, you know, change the whole litter box because most of them are plastic. So they're going to get the chemical into the plastic eventually. Oh, really? So no matter okay. how good you clean it, you eventually have to replace it. It's going to smell anyway. Yeah. Once a year, you should probably get new litter boxes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about how many litter boxes per cat? Because how many cats do we have now in the house? We've got... The babies. We've got three adult cats and one that sneaks in and out. And then we've got, well, we've got three beautiful Persian kittens. Oh, I should have brought them today. They are so cute. Um, Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll bring them next week because they are just precious. And just little fat, chubby, furry, little big whisker pads and their eyes are open. Oh, I can't stand it. I love them so much. Uh, But it's going to be a couple of weeks, I think, before they'll figure out the litter box. But everybody needs a litter box plus an extra litter box in a house. Yeah, one per cat plus one. Yeah. Okay. All right, just in case somebody's using yours, <laughs> right? So the pet treats market nears $7 billion, and it's going to even raise a little bit more coming uh, this coming year, they said. Most of it is from CBD treats and uh, CBD oil. This is from Pets Plus magazine, so kind of an interesting thing. Um, and also, they said the dog mom trend is here to stay. The ad agency Big Eye released its 2019 pet industry study, which reveals how pet parenting is reshaping the landscape for the consumer packaged products in retail industries. The conclusion that dog mom trend is here to stay. Pet owners are the new pet parents and young people in particular see their pets not as a luxury, but as a necessity they're willing to splurge on. So they're spending more money and millennials in particular are doing this. They're spending um, 35% of millennials own dogs, baby booners down to 32% dog ownership. And the baby boomers don't really see themselves as pet parents. I know I've asked that question on Facebook before. Do you see yourself as a pet parent? The baby boomers are like, no, I am not. Forget that. But the millennials are definitely going to say they're a pet parent. Definitely. Mm -hmm, For sure. Millennials are spending up to 6.1% more now, according to the American Pet Products Association. And that's uh, up from uh, 
the last year's numbers by two, uh, one and a half percent, almost two percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you do see it. People coming in here. Yeah, the pr- the product uh, environment is going to definitely change, and it's becoming more interesting. Uh, the the people, uh, what they're buying these days, and what they want for their pets, mm-hmm. and, uh, especially the clothing line and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, there's <laughs> super uh, cute. Yeah, I think a lot of people though are really looking for um, a lot of natural stuff for their animals. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they want to. Um, to make sure that they're, if they have a healthy lifestyle, obviously they want their pets to have a healthy lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's a, a lot of great natural products out there um, that are going to help with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, obviously as they become more domesticated, the pet environment is going to, the pets are going to become more involved with us, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Um, one of the trends I've seen, I think, after 20 years of um, being in a clinic environment is that cat owners are are taking more notice, like the younger cat owners are taking more notice of the cat. They're not so primed to say the cat, <coughs> sorry, that the cat is, you know, like going to take care of itself. It's off on its own. It's doing its own thing. So the younger cat owners are really coming in more, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They treat them more like a child, family. Um, yeah, and they're bringing them in in strollers. You know, and, <laughs> that's uh, cute. Little, not just the pet carrier, but they're getting really creative with the pet carriers. They want to make sure it's natural for them as possible, and, and that makes sense because kitties, you know, they stress out when they come to the vet clinic. Oh yeah, you know, sure. and and um, so we we try to make that a fear-free environment as much as we can. Fear-free is a neat program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so retailers are kind of getting on to this, that the younger generations are looking for something more in cat foods. Uh, one of the things that they're doing, um, actually, they talked to, it says they talked to Avengers Pet Food. They've been on our show as well. They have a great product. It is, they have them for cats and they have them for dogs. And it's this, like, uh, what do I want to say? Salamander, sardines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cut up salamanders, no, cut up sardines. And they have like a gravy and a little stew on top of it. And the sardines are big, fat, thicky chunk, thick chunks for dogs. And, um, you know, obviously smaller for cats. But they say that people are really looking for different kinds of things to feed their cats that are, you know, just like a better deal for the animal itself. Yeah. Something that looks like you could eat it. Like real food. Smells like you can eat it. Mm-hmm. And they want to make sure that the pets are getting that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And so they're, they're way more conscious about what's going into them. So there's chunky style cat food. There's yeah. stew style. Like those sardines have that like chunky stuff over it with some carrots and peas and some gravy. Um, loaf style cat food. That's a little bit more traditional. Yeah. And um, obviously there's dry kibble. I think there are cats who are fussy about all of this though. Like, how do you know what to pick out for your cat? So you're not, you know, going in and buying a whole flat of cat food only to have them eat it like three times and say, that's it. Well, it seems like that, that there's two types of cats. One is going to be more, if they were outside, would, would maybe more inclined to be bird catchers. Okay. So they may like something that's more poultry related or more, more bird related. Oh, yeah. all right. I didn't know that. And then there's the more earthy cats that would be more mouse catchers. Okay. So you're right. You don't want to buy a huge amount of cat food mm-hmm. at one time. You want to experiment with them. 
cats have to smell their food mm-hmm. uh, in order to taste it. So it's got to smell a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, they need that to be able to taste it. And then it's it's got to taste good to them. They really like the smelliest food, though. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's some cats that they're dry. More more cats that would be bird catchers tend to mm-hmm. be, they won't touch the wet food. They okay. don't like it as much. And so they're more addicted to the dry element. They like the dry food. Uh, the earthy cats uh, that are more mouse catchers would like the wet food more. Mm-hmm. But adding hydration in is is a good idea. Yeah, definitely. Especially for urine problems, because uh, probably the number one reason for cystitis is that they're they're not drinking enough. And cats by nature were desert dwellers. Mm-hmm. So they lived in the desert. So they got most of their water from their diet. Oh, okay. So they eat the water and then they supplement with drinking water. Is there any way to make them drink more? Uh, to add wet food. If Just so to add a hydrated food? Yeah. Well, I mean, can you do anything to the, can you give them bone broth? Uh, sometimes they'll, they'll drink Sometimes that. they'll eat it and sometimes they won't. Most of the time, what you have to be careful of is, is it, a lot of cats would drink milk. But yeah, oh. you should use goat's milk, which yeah. is more neutral. Doesn't that give them diarrhea? Uh, the goat's milk won't, but the others will. Yeah. They can. Uh-huh. Because uh, like <laughs> most cats, especially dogs and cats, we talk about most of the time. Uh, lose their ability to uh, break down the, the lactose mm-hmm. in the milk after they're about 12 weeks old. Okay. Okay. So then after that, they if we start giving them more milk, they may not be able to digest it. Okay. So most animals are lactose intolerant. So you just got to be careful at dairy. Yogurt. But doesn't goat's milk have lactose in it? It, it does, but it's neutral. I mean, you can give... Oh, okay. So that's why you would... Some yeah. people used to feed goat's milk to kids yeah. if they had a lactose problem. It's the okay. universal neutral. You can feed uh, goat's milk to an alligator. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's a universal food. So goat's milk has kind of a natural probiotic effect too. Mm-hmm. It does. Okay. So goat's milk is always a good thing. You're always trying to slip goat's milk in the cart when I go to the grocery store. I, know. I don't take you anymore. That's why. <laughs> so... Um, it looks like uh, Delaware has a new a bill, and they're going to start exempting rabies uh, for patients who can't tolerate a rabies shot anymore. Might be a sick animal, might be something going on with it for whatever reason, maybe even uh, vaccine reaction. So they have a bill, actually, that they're going to do. Right now, in Illinois, we do exempt some rabies, but I think some states or some counties, usually it's a county entity, can be really tough to get through when you're looking for a rabies exemption. Why do you give those? Give those, especially for pets that have had, they have chronic disease, mm-hmm. older patients especially, because uh, the as they get older, the greater the risk that they're going to have a bad reaction. And sometimes we have to remember even a potentially lethal reaction. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm very concerned about that. Um, for the most part, if they've had a, a series of rabies vaccinations through the years, they're going to have natural antibody. Mm-hmm. So the... Then you would want to... You can confirm that through a titer because it's right. not every time true. Right. And it happens to be not true more often than I thought it was going to be. I figured everybody would have natural antibodies to it. Mm -hmm. 
not always the case. Yeah, rabies is uh, pretty consistent, but like distemper and parvo mm-hmm. is not. Those are the ones that, because, that are um, tougher. The seroconversion, we have to remember when they get their initial vaccines and they're making antibodies, mm-hmm. is that they, they, have to, they have to have a sufficient immune system to do that. And not all pets do that. Uh, but if they are exempt, uh, there's specific requirements. Okay. And we're not saying just don't vaccinate because you don't need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have they can't go into environments where they could be exposed to rabies. Okay. Uh, they can't uh, go to social events like other dogs. Mm-hmm. Won't be able to come to our indoor dog right. park. Right. And yeah. bite factors are huge. And I, I mm-hmm. talked to owners, what, yeah. what's the bite risk? And they say, well... I got an older dog with a probably bite the crap out of you. You should probably rabies. Go ahead and do it. Now. Yeah. Yeah. We've had some things come back that didn't do rabies and, or they were late with their rabies yeah. and it didn't, didn't turn out too well. Hospitalizations and everything, especially in an older owner. That's so sure. got to be careful with that. Yeah. So a big week coming up for us moving to 1112 Front Street. Um, and as soon as this shelter in place order is lifted, hopefully everybody will be able to stop by that's in the Chicagoland area and come visit our indoor dog park and our yeah. new clinic and of all fun. of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're super excited about it. So, um, you know, all of that coming up and next time we'll bring our kitties because you won't be able to resist them. They are just that cute. Okay. And anything else? Jim today. Wonderful show. All Um, right. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.